Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy. With me always is the amazing Stu Hardy and the fantastic Terry Brissett. I switched it up, gentlemen. All right, we're going to mix things up from now on. We're moving up. Uh, guys, I am, like, still buzzing from the weekend of rugby. You know, we had the Super Saturday. We had a... Ireland pull up the big win and you know we had the return of major league rugby and I'm sorry Stu but uh Wales is it was like it felt like the Grand Slam was in their grasp and, and you know of course the French decided the French and uh well, the Welsh decided to Welsh so yeah I mean whichever way you want to look at it but uh, and it's uh, the championship is still Wales's to lose but and it's like Oh, France not only need to get the bonus point, they need to get like win tries. by 20 or something as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not saying yeah. it's not going to happen, but I'm just saying that it is Wales's to lose at this point. Who do France play next? Remind Scotland. me. Scotland. Oh, Stu. Because that game was. I'm sorry, dude. Um, I'm sorry, Stu. Uh, I know. I know. No, but, I think, I think Scotland is going to pull out a win. I think they're going to pull out a W. I think mm-hmm. I'm excited to see it. Well, guys, before we hop into what was a crazy weekend of Major League Rugby, we've got some uh, late-breaking news that's kind of happened in the last couple days. Uh, and we also want to go over the new uh, Major League Rugby rules because those kind of dropped right after we recorded. So let's start with the latest news. And uh, this has, even though it's an international event, this has um, some ties to North America. So we're going to start with the Lions Tour has been announced that it will take place in South Africa. Whether or not there's going to be fans there, that's still kind of up in the air. Um, but the big story about this, and it was kind of, uh, it's been kind of tossed around in um, the the media in in England, is that uh, the RFU is kind of under the impression that USA and Canada are going to come to them to do the the England tour. And it sounds like our uh, our tour of North America might not even be happening in North America anymore. Um, I want to hear you guys' thoughts about this because if this is true, again, this is all drama and, and gossip and we don't really have anything from the horse's mouth itself. Um, how would you guys feel about the U.S. and Canada possibly going to tour England instead of England coming to North America? That's fine. I mean, it's like, I mean, what are they going to, they're going to come, come play in Toronto in front of no fans anyways. Like it's no fans here. Like, even like who I mean, like where can you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, if they play the United States and Texas, I mean, if they play, I mean, think about it. By 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 it's August, not even, it's not even the real England though, because all their best players are gonna be yeah. Right? So they're gonna have like, like Ellis Genge, Will Stewart, like yeah, no, they're gonna have like just I'm not. I mean, I don't know. I'll believe any of these. Like I mean, even like the rumored like. USA is gonna play like play the play the Lions or are they now if the tour is in South Africa because that would involve them flying different places I don't even know um I should I yeah I, I'm not even sure how that would work now um but it's like I don't know I feel like all all this stuff sounds super cool or like fun or like that would be enjoyable but I'm also kind of like in the year of 2020 and then 2021, like I'll believe it when it's like officially, Hey, we're playing on this day. This is the stadium. This is the time. This is where you can watch it. If it's in a place where you can buy tickets, here's the link to go buy tickets. Um, but I feel like until that Hear, hearing like, this, hearing this from you, yeah, hearing this from you, Derek is really funny because 
even if you look at like Derek's like like pinned tweet, it's about yeah. how optimistic he was about rugby in twenty twenty one. That tweet is aging like a bag of milk, man. It's I know you you were such an <laughs> optimistic lad. Yeah. And now it it's, it's slowly chipping. I, I'm having this effect on you. I'm making yeah. you less optimistic about about No, I hang out I hang out with you apparently way too much, Harlow. <laughs> For anybody wondering though, like if you talk to Dan like six times, probably five too many. So Wow. All right, Stu. It's just gonna be you and me tonight, buddy. He's getting kicked out. Oh wait, he's hosting Perfect. the call. Never mind. <laughs> no, uh, I can, but I can go. I got the Snyder cuts four hours. I can go for something. Um, Stu, you kind of tossed yeah. a, like a fun, fun idea in like the chat about like if Canada was going to tour, like go play England in England, like maybe they can do a little tour against some of the other European nations to kind of freshen themselves up for the qualifiers because they don't really have anything lined up. They, they don't have anything lined up right now. No one really has anything lined up right now from North America. So, but you had a little idea about like maybe getting some test matches while they were over in Europe before coming back. Yeah. I think there may be the opportunity to think of, you know, playing games against Georgia or against Spain or even some lower tier nations like Germany, for example, or Portugal. Um, just to get some game time under the, their belts before the eventual World Cup qualifier, qualifiers, which will have to begin in, uh, I'm, well, at some point this year. Again, these haven't been confirmed. This was only just announced, what, today? and mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're recording on the, the Tuesday, so that's the thing. We haven't even had the time to look into, oh, do Spain have a tour planned for... Uh, the mid-year test yeah. season or do Germany or so on and so forth. So nothing. it's just speculation at this moment. But I'd say, you know, if you, unfortunately, even with like an England 15, which is like, we know it's not the full strength England side, but there will be some players because obviously not everyone can go on the Lions tour. The, no, the idea will still be that it's going to be like damage limitation, especially since the US and Canada wouldn't have played any test rugby for more like about a year and a half now, because the last time they both played was in the Rugby World Cup. So just insane. It's yeah. so crazy how long it's been. <laughs> I, I would say it would be the idea of like, oh, play England in England. It's like the end of the tour, or it could be mm -hmm. so, like, say, England and Georgia are like the final two games to play. But, uh, yeah, I think it is, it would at this point be like a damage limitation kind of model more than anything else. But the big question as well is if this happens at the same time as like the Lions tour, or say just before the Lions have their test matches with uh, South Africa, it's gonna fall in like the final few months of major league rugby and we know the impact playing for canada in the arc has had on the arrows and you know obviously not the ideal start that the toronto arrows wanted for this mlr season and those guys know that more than any other team that sometimes you just gotta if you're gonna make the playoffs you have to win a certain amount of games that they need to 
do that and obviously having your best players the other side of the Atlantic wouldn't help in that matter. Now, to be fair, you'd also have some of the US teams without their uh, starting choices as well. But there are more American clubs than there are Canadian clubs. So make of that. Spread out a little bit. Yeah. So that's the thing. This is just all speculation at the moment. It may even be a case of, uh, you know, maybe there's a third wave in Europe and therefore uh, it's just decided it's not worth it. Um, I, so that so those are the big cautions to me is that it's going to probably happen during the MLR season and it, and if it does happen, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, and this will be something that we will kind of continuously watch because it's, it's going to be an ever-evolving story, especially leading up into the uh, World Cup qualifiers. Canada is going to need to play but what, what do we, some what do we type of rugby on Canada playing England right now? Because it was like it was previously just like the USA playing like the Lions in South Africa, right? So like why? Well, the, the US were going to play South Africa and they're going to play England. I don't think they're ever going to play the Lions. But then, okay, so the US was going to do like a tour with mm-hmm. Springboks and stuff. Well, how did Canada like land into this all of a sudden? Thing? It was just. Um... Back last, or oh, like at the start of 2020, the notion was that England was going to come to North America. That was part of what, like, Bill Bauman. Yeah. All right, that doesn't mean anything now. That was apparently, apparently, that's why Rugby Canada put their vote in for Bill Beaumont. Cool. Is that he was going to? I think. Help I think any make that tour happen. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm sitting at like, you know, the one time as. Dan said, "I'll take the the pessimistic view on something. It's just any, especially any test match that involves not playing the United States right now. Um, like even like the rumors and stuff that are kind of floating around. I guess it got confirmed that the Lions tour is going to go ahead, but like any other test, like building up, like I will get excited for them and I will believe that they're happening when it's like an official thing." You know, I kind of felt that about uh, about the MLR this weekend. I'm like, I need to see boots oh, yeah. on the like, on the pitch before I can be yeah, excited about some of these that, games. Like, even that, like the build up to the MLR season, I was like, okay, we had preseason games and stuff get canceled, and it was like, I mean, good on the league for getting to this point, like to actually be of like we're playing. That's an unbelievable achievement given this this time. Um, but it's like, I just feel like. For a lot of like international international sporting events, especially right now, I'm like, I'm in full like I'll believe it. Like I'll believe like the Olympics. I know are like they're building the plans. They're gonna have. Um, I know we're we're probably gonna d- talk a little bit about some Dubai um, sevens and stuff too. Um, but it's like yeah, like I'll believe all of like any international test rumor right now. To me, I'm just like, it sounds it's cool. Like, but it's like how when's it gonna happen like when how like what are the logistics behind it and stuff like it's it's all you know what i mean like like i feel like right now in a covid world you're you're probably gonna prioritize like important games like when you have to play the united states for the world cup like world cup qualifier or whatever as opposed to like yeah going to england for a game that might be nice for development but in all reality means nothing 
So just just for more background, uh, Joe Harvey on on Twitter at Joe Harvey thirty four, who has been a champion of MLR writing, um, he he said that this came from an RFU call with the press, that the suggestion was the tour to the USA and Canada will take place in England. So again, it's going to be an ever evolving story. So we will continue to talk about it as we learn more. I'm looking at that tweet now though, and like nowhere in that tweet does he say 2021 anywhere in that tweet but that 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 was when the 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 proposed tour was supposed to happen 2021 that was when the tour was supposed to happen was this summer because it was supposed to coincide during the lions tour Mm. well if it happens i mean it'll be cool i wouldn't mind seeing canada play england i wouldn't mind seeing usa play some of the big names that have been there but i'm like i don't know i feel like i'm holding out hope for all right anything that's all right that's fair okay well, the next little bit of news that Derek kind of uh, kind of previewed to was that Canada uh, Rugby Canada will be attending a sevens turn in Dubai. Uh, it's an invitational seven, so it's not part of the seven series. Um, it will be a high-performance competitive training camp, including two tournament weekends. Um, so both the men and the women will be going. Uh, this is still be their first competition uh, for the men since that amazing uh, Vancouver tournament and for the women in Sydney. Um, the tournaments will be uh, played over back-to-back weekends, um, April the 2nd to the 3rd, and then the weekend after, the 8th to the 9th, at the 7th Stadium in Dubai. Kind of a slam dunk decision there. Uh, both teams are traveling with an extended squad of players. Uh, the Dubai tournament will be an opportunity for all players to get match play after months of training under COVID protocols in Langford. Um, that that uh, extended squad makes a lot of sense you got to now start figuring out who are you bringing to uh, the Olympics and like now. So um, hopefully it'll be streamed. We'll be able to see lots of bodies on the field and uh, hopefully Canada will have lots of fun. Um, you guys excited to see sevens again, because this is, mm-hmm. it kind of just was again, one of those things we haven't seen any sevens action from Canada in a long time. So I feel like this is a, hopefully another step towards getting back to normal in terms of the rugby world. Yeah. I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to it. Um, it's be, like you said, it'd be great to, uh, this is going to be such a weird year, I think for them to like the build up to the Olympics. And then um, you're going to have to play the biggest sporting event in the world with, I guess, are they allowing fans in Japan? No, it's just, they're, they're not allowing just, they're just only allowing local Japanese fans, only Japanese fans or people that already live in Japan yeah. or something, right? Well, like it, you have to be a resident of Japan to go. Okay. Yeah. So you can go. Okay, cool. So there's going to, at least there's going to be like some, fans. some fans. Yeah. Um, That's going to be like, that would be weird, man. I don't know if I'm prepared for like an Olympics with like no f- crowd. That's going to be bizarre. Um, but I guess like if, as long as if some people can go or whatever, that's cool too. Um, but yeah, I think for like, as far as like the rugby element goes, it's like, like you said, like, like when was the last, like Canada hasn't played since Vancouver. Um, the women's team, I don't think they had, I think their last tournament was like the week before Vancouver. If I recall correctly, Sydney, or something. yeah, Sydney was, but what that was like timeline. Was that the same weekend as Vancouver for the men or was that like the weekend? No, it was before. Yeah. Um, so like I mean it's I think it's like yeah like you just you have to get back on the pitch like it's like you I mean you got the biggest the biggest tournament that you can play in in the sport coming up so I'm excited for that the squads both look good um you know some vets some young up and coming talent on both teams um 
I, like, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. And like, like you said, it's like, I think no, like wins and when well, like, no matter what, like as far as wins and losses for this tournament here, it's like, you gotta like, I, you gotta make sure everybody gets into a game, gets like proper game time and stuff. I think, cause I mean, I think what we kind of saw in major league rugby this weekend too, is it's like, you can do like all the intra squad and scrimmages and stuff you want. There's no real substitute for like an actual game. And like, I think you want to probably be at, at the peak of your performance going into the Olympics. So uh, this is step one. I'm super excited for it. It is confirmed. So I feel like I'm validated <laughs> for it. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's like, that's what, I, that's what I want to see from every, everything else is like, get the, the unions tweeting out that it's happening. Then I'll, then I'll be fired up. But um, you know, Brad, like it looks good. Um, a lot of great teams go into the tournament too. So it should be a, should be an entertaining one for everybody. Yeah. I. Uh... I think we've been so occupied with the return of like MLR and like the Six Nations and stuff like that. It's easy to forget that, you know, it was almost a year ago as well that the Sevens just stopped. And I mean, we've had the Rugby Tens tournament in Bermuda, which was interesting with their like different rules and it maybe took like a game or two to adjust and get them down. But you know, seven seven has always been like a good weekend thing to watch. There are multiple games, different uh, strategy of like how teams can make it through to the cup. There's obviously also things like the shielders and plates in the World Seven series. When, but obviously with like the Olympics, because I keep forgetting that <laughs> there's so much going on this year. There's the Olympics. There's the Euros. There's um, the Lions tour as well. There's just all the sport from last year has now been packed into this year. And it's just, you know, I'm going to have to have like seven different screens on just to keep up with all the sport going on. Um, or That's how I felt this wait. weekend. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and now, as I said, um, this is more of a high performance training camp with two um, competitive weekends on it um you know i think that's a good uh setup to have especially because the olympics is over three days for each um gender tournament so the men's will be first and then followed by the women's um on those three consecutive days so i guess having uh weekend tournaments that's it they've only said weekend tournaments. they don't say they're like three-day weekends or just the Saturday and Sunday. But honestly, anything that can get you ready for the Olympics is going to be fantastic. Um, because the seven series, the World Series, starts... It's really strange this year because it starts in, I think, like May, and then it has to stop for the Olympics, obviously. And then it's back in Vancouver in uh, September, which uh, hopefully by that time uh, more vaccines would have been distributed and they'll have uh, an attendance there, which would be great to see. Uh, ultimately, uh, I'm just looking forward to it, and I'm with sure. you, Dan. As long as we can, as long as we can watch it, that's the most important thing for me. And I'm excited to see, you know, who they who they bring and you know, all that stuff. The, the squad that they bring and stuff like that's always so exciting. All right, guys. Well, we're, we're going to move on. 
uh, because we need to talk about these new uh, MLR rules. And here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm going to I'm going to list them off, and then you're going to tell me the one rule you do like and the one rule you hate. Just one, because I feel like just one. Yeah, you just one. one from oh. each. One you like, one you don't like. Okay, oh. but let's let's go through them quickly. Uh, there's a new kick clock. Um, instead of 90 seconds, you have 60 seconds. Um, there's a seven point try. Um, the seven points will automatically be rewarded for uh, any try scored directly under the posts. Uh, scrum resets will have a, a limit of two per incident. The original one plus a reset for a collapse, penalty, or free kick. Um, scrum offsides. The offside line will be the feed line slash channel of the scrum to allow for unintended access to the ball, the back of the scrum for the attacking team. Two minute, uh, sorry, two minutes. <laughs> 20-minute red cards, um, which really people have talked about this as being the orange card. Um, you know, a red card would lead to a player being sent off and the team goes down to 14 players for 20 minutes. And then after 20 minutes, the player can be replaced with another player on the bench. So um, I am going to ask Stu first, what is the, the, the new rule you like and what is the rule you don't like? So the rule I like is the 60 second kick clock i think kicks can usually take up a lot of time i know especially if you're johnny sexton absolutely it's i know that in other leagues it's 90 seconds but having that clock uh, countdown to like 60 seconds is uh, great to watch and you know it gives a bit of like drama to it it's like oh you've only got this amount of time before you have to kick and because I originally thought it would just be for conversions, but I then realized it was also for penalties as well. So I was chuffed by that. The one that I hate is probably the scrum resets because, and this is actually an issue that I have with like all of these new laws that have been put in place, is there hasn't been enough time to explain what, is within like the limit of what you can do. And I think the scrum reset as shown during the Toronto Arrows game with the idea of, oh, you can- And the Utah- So you only get one reset after collapse. After that, it's either a penalty or free kick. Yeah, so so yeah. I have I have a question about, about the resets, but like in my mind, say, because we're not gonna talk about that, that penalty that the arrows want on a scrum and they wanted to do another scrum and they couldn't yeah what that that is that is the specific rule we are talking about right now yeah that's why i'm asking about it derek give me a second god but with that net with that next scrum (laughs) that they call should that not just be another incident right like that's that's to me how this rule should happen see i i had that thought too and then i was like because I had that thought too of being like, because one, I, I agree with Stu. Like, I think the rules what we saw in the game with the arrows, where Toronto had an upper hand on Atlanta in the scrum, and in Utah Austin too, where Utah had an upper hand on Austin in the scrum, and they weren't they were get, like Utah was getting some penalties too, but they weren't really allowed to like use it right. Um, and I think, I think like that was kind of, and I think ultimately, I think this rule it kind of lets some teams that 
have bad scrums or are at the very least, if they don't have a bad scrum or losing the scrum battle in the current game, I think it could kind of like let teams off the hook a little bit with that. Um, and I think like, I, I think I kind of like, I get what you're saying, Dan. Cause it's like, I think you should, if you get a penalty on that second scrum, I think you should be allowed to you like call for a scrum again. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, if not, you're just taking an attacking weapon away from teams. Yeah. You're taking that option away. But at the same time, I'm like, right, like, because I was thinking, it's like, okay, yeah, do what I believe what you were kind of describing is it's like, okay, the team earned team A earned a penalty. Yeah. So it's like, we're going to now count this as a new scrum, but the reset count, for lack of a better term, resets. Mm-hmm. And then so you can reset it once and then another time it'll be a penalty. But then I'm just like, that's the same thing as having unlimited resets. So then put a limit, put a cap at like, right? Like, I don't, so it's like, basically, I would just get rid of the rule again. Like, yeah, like put, put a, put a cap at like two incidents and then they have to make a choice. I just feel like automatically taking that, that, that ability the way to, I think, I think too, there was a scrum in the Utah Austin game. Um, and they like the first scrum Utah, like wheels, the scrum on Austin, the referee calls for it to be reset. And then the next scrum just kind of a meet. Like, I don't know if it was just like they were, they were too far apart or they didn't bind properly, but it just like immediately goes down. Right. And the refs just kind of like, okay, um, awesome. Utah ball. Right. Yeah. It's like you can't, you I can't make them set up for the scrum again. Right. So it was just kind of yeah. like, like it wasn't even like, I'm not even sure if it was just like Utah like I guess maybe he gave Utah the penalty based on the fact that they were the dominant team in the previous scrum. Um, but it was like, I think you end up with refs. I think it's a, like, I think it puts refs in a bad situation where I think it's like, sure. it's yeah. force them to call penalties on the second scrum, right? Like it forces yeah. like on something that maybe or give them a free kick. Yeah, but it's like, on where, forces, yeah. I think that's the thing, though, is it forces the refs to make that decision. It's forcing and, you have to make a decision to give someone, yeah. um, and then I think possession. And and if it's a it's a, if it's an iffy scrum where it was just a, it, the scrum just had to re, be reset, and if it's that second, you know, part of the incident, then you're like, well, I have to give somebody possession now, and like, okay, the you're giving it to the attacking team, like who's got the ball already, like it's it's just it's strange. So it's, yeah, I, I get that. Like yeah, I just think. I think ultimately at the end of the day, though, it's like teams that have good scrums are probably looking at this rule like, damn, this sucks for us. And teams that have maybe self-aware that have weaker scrums are kind of like, okay, maybe we can work with this. Yeah, for sure. Like, I just I think it definitely needs to be like it's yeah, I I just I don't like it. Um, The other rule you did like, Derek, what was the rule you did like? The rule actually that I did like the kick clock. I'm like, I'm kind of indifferent towards. Um, the rule that I did, I didn't really like it going into it. But then when I saw John Poland get the like, red card in the Free Jacks LA game, um, I was like, oh, actually, I kind of like this. Um, the 20 minute thing. I I think that's something like I can get I can get behind that idea. I think I think maybe 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 it is something that you can like mix in. Like you said, maybe bring maybe have a red card and have an orange card. So you can still like if if there's an infringement that's bad enough, you can still be like you guys like you're down for a game or whatever. But yeah, because like if someone goes over and cold clocks somebody, 
Yeah, exactly. Right. Like a blatant, like, yeah, like an absolute walks over decks a guy. Like, like you're yeah, out this maybe. game and I will see you in six months too. Like, kind of thing. Yeah. Then, yeah. I mean, that's fair. But, like, I mean, I don't, but, but like, I just, I just think that, like, especially in the situation where Poland got his, his red card for too, I was mm-hmm. like, that's a good, like, okay, yeah, 20 minutes, Poland's out of the game. Um, you can get a guy back on. I was like, I kind of like that. It, yeah. So I, I liked the, the rule as well. And I think that one thing people are not looking at enough is that it is forcing teams to use one of their players off the bench. So it's a lot worse at the beginning of the game. So like, if you're like, you know, 25 minutes into the game, a player gets a red card, especially if it's a, if it's a forward, even if it's a back. Yeah. You're you're now being forced to another twenty minutes later after being down to put that guy in. It's you're you know you're taking that hand away, and if it's your one of your best scrummagers or your fly half, your really any any position, it's going to be important. That guy's still out of the game. You don't get him back. It's just like in hockey. Like if if a guy gets a game misconduct, he's gone, and then and then the the team gets the five minute power the five minute major power play. So you know, like I think it's I think it is a step in the right direction. Um, because I, I just don't see the point of red cards in, and, and Stu, correct me if I'm wrong, but in football, it's the same thing, right? Like you get a red card, you're done for the game, right? I yeah. should, I should know this. I was a soccer ref for like most of my preteens. I should know. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> Apparently I didn't do it for very long, <laughs> but, but like, that's the thing, right? It's like, why are we punishing the entire team for a bonehead mistake that one guy made because it's a team sport so punish them for 20 minutes you don't have to punish them for the entire game yeah no like i i I don't mind it or whatever the other one i was kind of like like i was kind of on the fence on and then i'm like after seeing it i'm like "Eh, i don't really like the uh the seven point try i just think is it's weird it's weird and like people were talking a lot about stats and i'm not too worried about that This the stat it's, thing. It's like I'm not like whatever Major League Rugby decides. I think they need to make a decision on that, obviously, and be mm-hmm. like, does the guy get seven points for that? Does he get five? And it's like the other two are counted as like the same way you would count a penalty try. I think so. I think that's probably what the what but needs to happen. I was just like, like I'm just in that like, it's an easy kick, but it's not automatic, and I'm like, you can miss it. You can. I would. I would. And we talked about this. I would be interested to see the percentage in MLR of missed kicks between the posts. If it, if it's if it's at a hundred, if it's at like ninety five percent, I'm going whatever. I thought of this today though. So in baseball, right? No. Okay. In go, baseball, go. right? You can get called out after hitting a home run. Right. It's super rare. It hits like happens like once a decade, maybe. But if you miss a base or you pass one of your teammates on the base pass, you can get called out hitting a home run, which is why they make you round the bases after hitting a home run. Because for that one time a decade that it might happen, you might screw it up. So, yeah, it's, but like super those hard, guys then end up getting cut. No, not all the time. Sometimes they're actually really good and they screwed up. I think like I think when I was Googling, I think like like, uh, like uh, Lou Gehrig or something had one. He got called out. Or something. So it's like there's good players, but all right, all right. Like, that's fi- that's fine, Derek. Point, I, 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 like I think you should have like it's just it's it is, and it's like that was what the origin of a try was too, right? Is like the yeah. try used to be in the original days was like you got an attempt to kick, you got to try to kick, right? That's why we call it a try. So it's like a little bit of like it takes away a little bit of the origin of the game too. So I'm kind of well, like I appreciate the. 
I like the history lesson. Thank you. Yeah, like I'm um, kind of the, the other rule that I was the other rule that I was like, okay, it's fine. Um, the scrum off sideline being changed. I mean, I get why they do it because it bothers me all the hell when the scrum halves are wrestling over each other, and then like oh, one scrum half will look at the ref and go, "Hey, get this guy off of me!" And then the ref will have to tell the guy, "Move, move, or stop," and let him play. And so, getting all that 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 shenanigans out of the way and just just having it. And then you add that scrum half as an extra attacker. So you got an extra attack or sorry, extra defender. So, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. It's in a whatever rule. I think that's going to be a rule that takes some time to get used to though. I think there was like watching like the scrums. It's like, I think there was some, there was a lot of times where scrum halves were just kind of like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do here. For sure. Like, I can't, uh, yeah. I can't that, that, that's a, that's a, so coaching I think that's going to, yeah, I think that's going to be, well, I think even like they're all kind of coaching. Like, I mean, the, like I said, like I'm not a huge fan of that scrum reset rule, but ultimately now that is the rule. So you got to be able to play with that, and you got to prepare your team to be able to play with that. Um, and I'm curious to see how coaches and stuff maybe adapt to that, um, both on the defensive side of it and on the offensive side of it. Um, and then I guess we'll we'll see what happens with the rules. Like, I mean, sure. at the end, and and who knows? Like, I mean. I'll go back to my optimistic self or whatever. We're, we're talking about them after one week, six games of seeing what these rules look like. Maybe by the end of week 18, maybe by the end of the final, maybe some of them grow on us. Maybe some of them don't. Maybe some of them are gone by week two. Yeah, maybe some of them. They really weren't were specific. Gone. Yeah, exactly. They're trialing them, right? So Yeah, we'll exactly. Maybe some of them are gone tomorrow. I did like, though, <laughs> small touch, um, Houston, Aviva Stadium painting the lines from the post to the dead ball line yeah not that's that was that's good. nice or whatever that actually yeah. like if that's going to be the rule that looks clean i like because I'm, I'm, you do like, know at one point someone's gonna put it down like exactly on the be, line and like, they're gonna go like oh is that seven or is that five it. Oh. yeah okay no, I, well, like so good job houston i like that well done all right guys well let's talk about the arrows match First game of the season, uh, the Arrows lost 21-14. to 14. All points were scored in the first half. Um, Jack McRogers got his first try in professional rugby, um, and uh, Tommy De La Vega also scored for the Arrows. Um, the Arrows looked like a team that hadn't played a match in over a year. Um, so did a lot of teams. So did a lot of teams, for sure. Um, you know, uh, there were a lot of handling plays, that uh, you know led to balls on the ground, four to passes. Um, the uh, breakdown was was interesting for the arrows. Um, Rune, uh, uh, Rugby ATL definitely had the advantage there. Um, Gaston Cortez was sent off at the 69th minute, which we're going to talk about in a second. And and the other little bit of news that we kind of got there uh, was that Andrew Ferguson was the set kicker until subbed, and then Taylor Adams took over those responsibilities. Well. Like we didn't see the arrows never got to attempt to kick like a penalty after Ferguson came out, right? This is like Ferguson right. did the conversion well, and then he kicked one penalty, but Adams was the like, I guess like the post the after penalty kick to touch guy the whole game. Right? Yeah. So we never actually yeah. we never actually that's true. That's fair. Fair point. Fair penalty. point. But that is a that is still a penalty. That is still a set kick. Just because he was doing that, he was doing that before as well when Ferguson was on the field. Yeah, like Ferguson did the kicking, yeah. and then Adams. Did, it, it was like, an it was an interesting decision to make, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you also have it in like 
you know, sometimes there'll be the number 10 will do those kind of kicks and then you'll have like a center or a winger or how's this any different? Kick. It's just a scrum pass. Yeah, I'll uh, yeah. I'll talk about that with the Legion later. Um, okay, but uh, guys, what worked well for the arrows? Um, I'll, I'll go first because I have the stats up. Um, rugby ATL only won 50% of their scrums. <laughs> so, you know, we talked about uh, how how the arrows kind of took advantage of the scrum. Well, boy, howdy, did they ever. You know, they own, they won 85.71% uh, of their own scrums, um, which is which is uh, pretty good. Uh, it's, it's close to tops in the league, um, but they really took advantage of rugby ATL scrum. So, so um, it's, for... it's great to see that the scrum is still dominant even after... Yeah. So you for know, anybody that wants off. to argue with us about our opinion of the scrum reset rule, please take into consideration which team we cheer for. <laughs> yeah. Because we've never claimed that this podcast is unbiased. So please take into consideration that we do cheer for the scrum with the, uh, the team with the best scrum in the league. So, um, all right, Derek, who, what, what do you think worked well in that game? Um, the scrum, I guess the scrum was good. Um, too bad they couldn't use it. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, uh, tough game. Uh, like I think, obviously, the start, good start. Uh, you got obviously Jack McRogers. Um, kind of weird, weird play, really, for Jack Jack McRogers' first try. Um, that kind of like that broken sort of line out. The ball didn't go to hands. It kind of took a very favorable bounce, and McRogers busted out like that nice like forty mm -hmm. meter scamper into Atlanta territory, and then he got himself into a nice position and found himself on the other end of a beautiful dime from uh, Taylor Adams. So um, that, that was a great, like the start was great. Um, I mean, like rum ball played good. Della Vega played good. I thought yeah. Lesage, uh, part, part of MLR's uh, uh, team of the week. Yeah. Like rum ball, rum ball did Lucas rum ball things, even up until the final play of the game where he stole the ball in that line out last line out mall. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, which I mean, he might be one of the best guys in the league at actually doing that very specific skill. Um, but he did it. It was the, that crazy one against Houston last year too. It was him. And I thought the crazy thing watching that video was that he like got the ball like 15 meters, like before the try line or whatever, like Houston had no chance at scoring that try because rumble had the ball the whole time. Um, but I think like rumble did that really well. I mean, I think like he, he was like he was super involved in the game. He had a, he was at almost every rock. He, you know, and he was doing well at the breakdown. Like you kind of said, like Atlanta might've in the grand scheme of things overall, maybe had the, the edge on the breakdown. Um, but rumble and De La Vega were still like, you know, they were, you know, arrows were taking some hits there, but like De La Vega and rumble were given some back too. Um, yeah. I thought Lesage played really well in his kind of brief appearance. Um, I think obviously like his highlight was he had that that unreal try saving tackle on Connor Cook, um, which would probably be a lot cooler if Johan Momsen didn't decide to score about a minute later. <laughs> um, but it was still a really nice tackle. Then he had a really like he had a solid line break and stuff, too. Um, I mean, for like that's for like the positive things, I think like uh, line out um, like obviously rugby ATL. They had two line out mall tries. And then their other try came off of a set piece play that followed a line out. Um, so you kind of got to work on that. And obviously, and that's, that was another thing, like why I didn't like that rule 
because when Rumball couldn't go to the scrum, and as Dan, you just established, the arrows own the scrum, right? They dominated the scrum, and it's like, what's your other option at that point? You're like, you know what I mean? You're down by seven. You're trying to come back in the game, right? Your other option is the line out, which Rugby ATL was beating you at yeah, during the game, right? So tough, it's like, that's situation. why, like, it's like, that's the rule, though, but it's like the rule took out an advantage from the Toronto arrows that I felt like, I feel like in that situation, if you asked Matt Heaton, it's like, Hey, the arrows got a penalty. You get to pick what they want to, what they do. I feel like Matt Heaton chooses line. Yeah. Right. For, you know what I mean? Um, but I think, yeah, like, I think honestly, like things to work on. I mean, I don't like they got to, you know, quicker ball out of the rocks, but as that kind of goes into what Dan was saying about like the rocks, you know, Atlanta was causing a lot of problems. I think like Marno Redeling, who is Connor Cook, Johan Momsen, they kind of, you know, they were agitators all night. Um, Cook and Momsen too, like, you know, I think they had a, they had a couple line out steals each um, or they combined for like three, I think. Um, so, you know, that that's something that's got to get worked on. Um like I think ultimately though, and it's like I know like the coaching staff was not thrilled with the uh, their performance on uh, on Saturday night, um, but like I don't like there's nothing that I saw personally in that game that I was like I'm very concerned about. There's nothing there. I was like I was just like first game in a while. It was tough because it's like I'm not even like Atlanta won the game and it's like they deserve like deservingly so not taking anything away from Atlanta but I was like like you know what I mean it's like you got a bonus like I feel like it's still at the end of the day it's like Toronto got a bonus point loss and they played like nowhere near their standard right which is not I don't think it's like a necessarily cause for panic it's just like I mean you know get a get some more some more territory in the second half when you're trailing but you know bit of faster ball at the breakdown. I think Higgins was doing a little bit better of getting the ball out a bit quicker than yeah. was, but, um uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll go next, um, Derek's, and then Stu, I like to hear you round finish this off. Um, what worked well was the scrum really was was really strong. And again, I showed the, I showed the stats to it. Um, Yeah, it's it's uh, they they kept their handling errors uh, uh, pretty low when you look across the board. They had eleven handling errors. I mean, rugby ATL had nine, so I mean they they edged them on that. But when you compare it against across the league, uh, that's pretty good. I mean, if you want um, to compare compare stats, like it's it's fun. It's funny comparing stats across the league sometimes. I think because you could also be like the arrows allowed the second least points this week. It's too bad. That, it's too bad to play the team that allowed them least, though, right? Yeah, they. I mean, they 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 did well defensively. I found uh, in the second half, um, really were, were nuisances. Uh, what needed improving? Um, see, I'm a little little less. Uh, I didn't. I didn't come out of that game feeling very good about it. I know that the nice thing is, like Derek mentioned it, that there are a lot of things that happen in that game that can be fixed. It can all like any. It can all be. They're all fixable things. It's like, um, it's, it's, but it probably you know, I it's a problem. And they, would, if if they I can't would, be fixed, they're going to have a long season. No, and fixed. I think like, and I think it's gonna be fixed. Yeah, that that's again. But you don't know that. 
right? uh, like that we can say that and we can hope and i'm i'm pretty sure it is going to get fixed but it might not get fixed oh it's going to get well, the one thing I really wanted to focus on, and it was something that I was not happy to see um, from some of the players, was that like the red mist kind of showed up a couple times, and it was lippy, and there was pushing, and there was shoving, and I it goes both ways, you know, like you get a penalty. Every ATL was kind of being lippy and, ch and chirpy. Momsen was getting in people's face, and he was chirping and stuff like that, but like. Some of the, the goings on with some of the guys in the second half, it was brutal. Like watch them push and shove and scream and shout and get upset with the wrath. And it just, if that's the one thing that I want to focus on, it's like, let's keep level headed. I saw this also in the, the, the Colorado game, their last game of the year, you know, they were really fired up and, and, you know, making, taking silly penalty penalties and getting fired up. And it just wasn't a good look for the team. And I, you almost never see it. Like, you know, they've been in tough grinding game matches before. I think about their games against Seattle, the games against like that game, the games against Rooney, you know, like they've had tough matches um, and they never got super upset and aggressive like they did in that, uh, that, that game and against the game against Colorado. So wasn't really happy about that. Um, and so I hope that that, that is met, you know, looked at by the, the leadership group and by the coaching staff that, okay, like we need to keep our emotions in check. So we don't either get cards or we don't take any more penalties because wasn't a big fan of that, uh, personal player of the match really liked what I saw out of Adrian Wadden really liked what I saw, you know, uh, he had a couple really good carries, um, and, uh, he did not look out of sorts, you know, that was my big worry is, you know, a kid coming out of, you know, one of the best university leagues in the world, but you know, still not pro rugby. Um, and he looked good. So I was very happy to see him uh, have a good game. Um, and who impressed me from the opposition, uh, Connor cook. I, again, bringing back that Colorado game, Connor cook, I believe was in that game. And he, I believe he also had a very good game for Colorado. So it just brought me back. These a good two things in, in this game brought me back to the Colorado game. I'm like, yeah, I remember him being an absolute, you know, yeah. pain in the arse in the, in the line out and a pain in the arse at the breakdown. So you want a, uh, I was impressed by him all game. So you want a you want a weird bring back to the Colorado game? If you actually want to go back to that Colorado game last year? I don't, but I did. All right. Technically, and yes, I know it's been like 53, what is it, 53, 54 weeks between games. This is technically the first time in Arrow's history they've lost back-to-back -back games. Technically, no, I feel like yeah, big, big I feel like it does not matter at all and has no actual <laughs> implication no. on this at all. Um, but it's kind of weirdly interesting. But Two very similar like, games but, when you really think about it. Also, like they have an eleven-game regular season winning streak last year, right? So it's like winning. I think winning streaks carry over through seasons. Losing streaks do not. <laughs> losing streaks. Um, but uh, you know what? The reason though, too, like I'm not like I mean. I'm not, I'm not worried if really about any of those things. Like, I mean, emotion, it's an emotional game, physical game. Emotions get high sometimes as long as you're yeah, but they've been in emotional games before and not flawing off the, the handle. As long as you're not taking penalties, it's, it's all right. Um, but I think like the other thing too, it's like why I'm not worried is, is like, if you look at every, like I said, the arrows don't lose back to back like ever. Um, 
So, so you kind of look at the games that they have lost. They lost to NOLA in their opener. They came back. They beat Austin 23-19. They lost to Seattle. Then they beat Houston by 44-27. to So they put up a big number on Houston. They lose to Glendale in the snow. And then they have the epic comeback on San Diego. Um, they lose to New York and then put up the MLR record for most points in a game. Um, then they lose to New Orleans. Yeah, we don't have to go through all the games, but I, I get what you're saying. And I think they'll be fine. I, and like again, like I said, I I understand that all those things were fixable. Oh yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't fun to watch. It, it wasn't it, it may it, you know it uh, maybe it's a standard that they have set for themselves. Yeah, but it wasn't great to watch, and I, that's what bummed me out. Yeah. Um, Stu, how did you feel about the game? What, what, get, go down the list and tell us about what you felt about that game. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say, like, uh, Harley Davidson suffered a oh. horrific collision with one of his teammates, and you have to get that the stretcher out. He was taken away to a local hospital. From what the commentators said, is that he was responsive. Um, giving the thumbs up to the crowd just to make sure everyone was okay, which is the best news, uh, especially when you have to watch that again in slow motion. That was not a pleasant thing to watch. And no. a stark reminder that this is a full contact sport. And even when you can do everything right, someone else can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, what works well, I think we've already gone over this uh the scrum the scrum lucas could do it that worked well um what needs improving i think this is what needs improving for all teams is just more game time obviously Mm -hmm. covid situation has not been a positive experience for any of the teams um because that there were a lot of errors i think even with uh because i've got the stats up as well is that the penalties conceded every single team was in the double digits and i think the highest was atlanta actually who conceded you have, 21 penalties you have mandatory scrum penalties now so like, that's probably going uh, like, to realistically that's probably going to bump the penalty count oh like i guess Stu, i understand the point that you're trying to make and i i like i get it and I think you're right, but it's like, does that not? Yeah. It's not I saw the thing. I actually never thought of that till now. Is that not going to like artificially bump the penalty count up a lot? Because you have to give penalties, right? Oh no, there's been some like like a like a scrum reset, and they just give the, like a free kick yeah. to the team, right? Yeah, I think as well is uh, something that needs to be worked on was adaptability. For example, there were two occasions where it was a driving mall close to the try line, and it was an issue of they tried to do the same thing twice. And it's if after the first time, yeah, after the first time, if that didn't work, what they should have done was they had, they'd gotten Atlanta's um, forwards all close in around this mall. And then they were doing the pick and go game. And I think maybe if they had tried to like fan out to um, the wing, may have been more successful, obviously. Uh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. It's really hard to make a point. Um, I will say that both teams had um, impeccable defense in the second half, despite all the... I, I guess that is with an asterisk by it as well, because there were things such as you know losing possession or 
accidentally uh, knocking balls on or you know just like slip pass and things like that so uh but with the um announcement from brian ray that the arrows went down to 14 men in the 69th minute i think it still stands to reckon that in that case atlanta had the man advantage they surely should have been able to score points on uh the, in that opportunity right. and they didn't and and, and in the last and in the last 10 minutes too, like that was probably like the arrows got the ball down. They're in the majority. Yeah. 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 Um, one. Uh, so the player that stood out to me from uh, Atlanta, I'd say has to be their kicker. Uh, I thought that, you know, he's quick, he's nimble. I've said he's probably one to watch out for, for Atlanta. Um, and clearly he was, cause uh, he was, he maybe well, we won't talk about his penalty kicks because he uh, scored none of them. Neither did uh, well, neither did the arrows. So make it that way. But you know, getting all the conversions um, compared to the arrows who only needed one conversion. Um, I also in I also like seeing uh, Mires pass to Lavis and Lavis darting down the wing. Uh, I was pretty sure that was a no arm tackle that uh, stopped the momentum, but I was I'm not the referee. I can't. Uh, <laughs> made those decisions and uh, um so there were a few like things that need improving such as the line outs mm-hmm. um uh when it comes to malls it may be we may we may need to focus on the backs in the sense of it's that if if you can't do a reset scrum or like a new scrum penalty then tap and go has to be the way to go, which I think is what the league is trying to do. They want to get fast play going on again. And especially if you're that close to the try line and you just do a quick tap and go, um, then, you know, the, you get the, the automatic penalty advantage because all players are offside, um, you know, could put a lot of other teams under real pressure. But uh, I think, yeah, maybe focusing more on um, the backs involvement when it comes to things like this yeah. and sucking in the defense only to then go wide uh, should be something to focus on. But uh, I agree with Derek in that there were issues, but nothing that seemed unsolvable. Now we've talked a, a lot about, um, about the arrows game. So we have to move on, but we wanted to mention one more thing and we can't spend too much time about it on it guys, but um, Gaston Cortez was sent out, sent off at the 69th minute. Uh, um, Stu kind of mentioned it. Don't know what was going on with the broadcast. No one really seemed to know until post game that it even happened. We got, well, people even, just assumed that he was subbed off. Well, um, even like post game, like it was Brian Ray's tweet, which was at like eight. O'clock. That's how most people found out. Yeah, so right, it was. Um, it was like twenty four hours after the game, pretty much. Yeah. So really strange situation. Um, hopefully, this won't happen much. It happened again in the Austin game. Derek, was that? Uh, there was a, I think I believe there was there was a couple yeah because Austin had um the referee awarded um when the Sabercats or sorry not this the Austin the Austin Sabercats that's something there um well gosh all cool. complaints that's from like, Texas that's to, like, yeah uh, exactly Derek at the, 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 the anyways the Gilgronies <laughs> were wood the San Antonio Jackals played really well too um <laughs> but I guess they actually got an opportunity to kind of use their scrum that they they was playing well and they ended up earning a penalty try penalty try comes with a yellow card. Right. 
And then, but they never showed who got the yellow card on that one. And then I think there was an incident or two in the um, the Rooney game where there was a yellow card. Right. But it was only you, the broadcast, the only indication on the broadcast was that you could hear Scott Green's mic still on. And that's right. how the indication came. Um, I think yeah. ultimately with that, that's obviously, I think that's something that the league needs to look at just because it's a, that's, those are big moments in the game and stuff too. And, and I think too, like, you know, when we were talking about like the league kind of getting that, that deal with genius and, you know, the arrows have that deal with cool bet, which was awesome because cool bet actually had major league rugby. If anybody actually went to it to check it out, they actually had like major league rugby on like their popular tab. So it was literally like the NHL, like MLB spring training, March madness, major league rugby as like the top things to like bet on for like the day or whatever. So that, that, that was cool. Um, but I think like one of those things is like looking at like cool bets website, like one of the things that they do offer is like live in-game betting. Right. So it's like you can bet on the result, like things like who's going to score next. Um, right. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And I think and it's ultimately you can also bet on who's going to win and you can do it based on like what the score of the game is now, how much time's left. And I feel like those are situations where like if you if you're if you really do want to expand into that, like betting and like, you know, like the companies that do like the betting gambling and then like people that because we're we're so psyched like Dan you're reading off stats that Major League Rugby put on their website right and stuff and it's like the mm -hmm. app has player stats on it right so it's like and people like I've heard a lot of podcasts including ours like talking about how excited we are about like you know that this seems to be like they're leading into fantasy and gambling and stuff and it's like like that's one of those things that it's like I feel like the red cards and stuff like you can't miss big things like that because it's like, like if you were to do like, imagine like if someone put like an in-game bet down on like the arrows to win in the 70th minute. And then, you know, the next day you find out that the arrows were, when you place that bet, the arrows were down 14 guys or they were down one, they had 14 men, right? Like it's, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm looking at it from that point of view. And then like even, and I think the league, like I think this is going to be a good week like for, for the league and stuff too. Like, to kind of show that it's like all these great things that they've been doing for like the off field stuff, all the sponsorship deals, you know, American airlines, Geico, um, you know, getting like the betting thing going on. It's like, I think this is going to be a good week to show like that the league is really like diving into that and stuff. Well, there's a couple of red cards, um, Cortez, um, John Poland, Poland, right. And it's like red cards come with suspensions, right? We know, like, we know that they're going to be, we know that they're suspended. Right. It's like, right. Last year, then nobody announced, they didn't announce suspensions formally. Right. It's like, I think that would be something, especially like if you want to get into fantasy and stuff, like that's something that, you know, fans are going to expect. Right. And same with um, like a handful of guys got hurt too. Right. And it's like, you gotta, like, I would like to see, like, I would like to see the Toronto arrows not be the only team that's doing injury reports. And I think it's like, if nobody was doing it, I'm not sure like I would complain or like my complaint or my gripe would be as much, but since there is a team doing it right, that to me, that indicates that every team can do it. Right. So it's like, that's something that I would like to see, especially like if you wanted to do fantasy, like Dan picture, if we did a fantasy draft two weeks ago and you picked Jeff Hassler and now you're just like, well, where is he? Right. Well, yeah. if you listen to like the Austin rugby supporter podcast, uh, he's got a cast on his hand, so he's probably not playing. Right. But it's like there's no indication from 
um, the actual Austin Gilgronis, right? And stuff. And I think that's just going to be like a couple of things. Like, I think, yeah, like talk about that and then talk about the broadcast and like how, like, yeah, you can't miss cards. But then also be like, you know, be proactive as a league to be like, if you want to get into the fantasy and the gambling thing, it's like some more of this information and stuff um, is going to have to it's going to sure. come out, right? So um, I'm hoping to see like official, like I'm I, I, again, we record on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, perhaps they've done it. And if they've done it, I am super excited about that. Um, and but like, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, so, yeah, the other the other big we'll problem see. that we'll this wait. is going to have. We'll wait more... if the announcements come. Yeah, just... the big big thing is that if if Cortez is, is suspended long term, this is going to have a huge effect on the arrows scrum. I don't think it won't be that long. But even if it's just for two for two games, like still gonna have an effect. You know, the the the, the props that are behind them are young, so we'll see how that turns out. Well, yeah. All right. Well, it's well, we, also why, like, you would want to if you're betting on games, like, you want to, you would also kind of want to know if who's yeah. playing too, right? Like, all right, guys. Well, we are running out of time, so we are going to do our our five minute match reviews. Um, we're gonna go through all the, the opening weekend games. Um, Stu, you are on the clock first with Nola and DC. Starting now. Okay. Okay, so this was the last game of the weekend. It was supposed to open the season uh, because of COVID restriction um, or protocols. It was moved to the Sunday, and you know, which I think is great. It's better than you know canceling the game or anything like that. But this was an interesting game because this is a game that I think many people, including uh, all of us, who picked very terribly during this game oh i was one in six this weekend so was i i think everyone yeah and so you were one for six dan you lost games that didn't play yeah that's how bad you were oh you were one four six not one six you were one four six i hit i see what one four six yeah yeah it's a difference okay hey hey, this is eating into my uh five minute breakdown come on i'll give Um, you an extra 10 seconds go Okay, so it was a, a game that ended 26-all, but Nola especially should have put this away. I think they had like multiple opportunities to score tries. And even though it is a try, they a tie, they did walk away with the bonus point with the um, four tries that they scored. Um, but this was a fantastic game to watch. I think there's a lot of engaging moments, especially with... Um, DC's tries because some of those were just uh, not intercepts but quick turnarounds like uh, Danny Tusatala's first try especially and then his second to open the second half which I thought would have been you know okay this is where DC take it and run away with it but at the same time less than 10 minutes later Carl Meyer comes along and he scores a try as well so yeah it's a uh, Definitely a, it's definitely been an interesting, it's one to close out. And that final try by one Capiello was, I, I could hear all the DC hearts breaking when he scored that try because they knew that as soon as they got the conversion, those four um, match points went down to two. And that was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, the, uh, some of the standout players. Uh, yeah, I'm 
going to say um, from the wing back into the center, it was uh, Doug Fraser once again, who's um, I don't I don't want this to come across as like insulting or anything like that, but he's looked like he's had um, time to put on a bit more muscle in preseason. Uh, you know, maybe improve his uh, defensive stats, but I'm sure he he still had like lightning pace. Um, didn't have the opportunity to score any tries this time round, unfortunately. But now nah, he he looks uh, he looks ready for this uh, MLR season. I especially think it goes well with the mustache he has on his uh, profile photo on the Old Glory website. Um, but I say going forward, I think uh, Nola need to. Uh, basically improve their attack because they'll be coming up against teams with great defense as well. Uh, and DC in contrast need to uh, be able to work on their defense. Um, ultimately, I think this is, especially after, you know, super Saturday and the first day of like multiple games being played at the same time to have one game on its own, which you could just absorb as you watch it and not have any conflict. It was, fantastic one to watch so they if you have uh two hours spare you can either watch half of the uh zack snyder's justice league or i would recommend watch this entire game because it's absolutely i haven't to watch. i haven't watched the snyder cut yet Stu. i know you have is it worth, yeah, is it worth the four hours yes yes okay. yeah <laughs> okay all right all right i'll work that all right uh, i'm up next uh, I've got the San Diego versus uh, New York game starting now. Um, brief summary of the game. It really looks, when you look at the stats, and again, just looking at uh, the stats, um, it looked like San Diego had the upper hand by a slight margin. 53% um, territory to uh, Rooney's 47. Um, they had more tackles broken, um, more uh, turnover tackles. Um less handling errors. Um, but I think what it came down to is Rooney really took advantage of their opportunities. Um, they had more lineouts one, um, which could be a couple things. It could be, they had just had a better, uh, uh offensive lineout or a better defensive lineout. Um, and also maybe they just spent more, t more time having opportunities off the of penalties. Um, they did have more turnovers, uh, six to the legions two. So, uh, it was a it was a messy game. Uh, from from being the first game of the season, it, it didn't give a lot of people confidence when you saw the TV uh, uh, quality. Hopefully, uh, they can set up some type of scaffolding grandstand situation where they can get some better views because it did not look the best. Set up something to hold the post up too. Yeah. Um, I also will be talking about another game later that had the exact opposite effect. Um, in terms of media quality. Um, but yeah, it was just a messy game. A lot of mistakes. Um, Cecil Africa looked great in open field. Like he was just kind of running around like a maniac. Um, in terms of Canadians, um, Josh Thiel was serviceable. Um, it, they kind of gave him a little bit of a sheltered role. Um, Dylan Oddsley was doing all the kicking in the game um, for conversions. And, uh, and penalty and the one penalty that he he made so he did all the kind of the, the the points kicking and also kind of kicking into touch um so josh kind of was just kind of the 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 playmaking um fly off he didn't really handle any of the kicking duties so uh it'll be interesting to see if 
if he gets to play a starting fly half again, if he gets more of an opportunity in terms of that side of the, the, the game, other than that, he made, I think eight tackles. So he, he had a pretty good um, tackle rate. Um, on the other side of the pitch, we had uh, Quinn Aguadi starting on the wing, uh, which is interesting because all of his Rugby Canada time has been as a center and he's kind of touted as a center. So for him to play on the wing was was interesting. Um, he did not get a lot of action in terms of the game. Um, he played 71 minutes. He had three tackles. Um, and the MLR app says uh, for ball carries, he had 27 so I don't know if that's 27 meters made or 27 touches. If it's 27 touches, that's a lot. And I don't remember him getting the ball that much. So I'm going to assume what it's is 27 it, meters. What does it say on the apps? It says, carry. it says ball carry 27. So I'm going to assume that's 27 meters because oh. he did not have the most impactful game. It seems that they were going out the other, other way with the ball. Um, but yeah, it just ended up just being one of those games where they might not have had the best possession. It was very much a Toronto Maple Leafs beginning of the decade of the 2010s decade where did not hold the possession, but they, they took their opportunities when they could and just kind of sheltered the storm uh, defensively. So uh, um, other than the TV quality, it was, it was a fun game to watch. Um, Chris Robshaw did not make his uh, debut with San Diego. There were talks um, where actually uh, someone mentioned to us, um, on Twitter that they believe uh, Karen uh, uh, Lozana was mentioning that it might be because of the Barbarians stuff that he might still be suspended from playing. Fun game. There were better games. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Derek. Oh, so Houston versus Seattle. Yeah, this one was actually this one was actually pretty fun. Um, one of those games, I think, uh, you know, obviously we got two Canadians in the front row with Illiniki and Sears Duru, um, or Sears Duru and Illiniki in order of jersey number. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Houston kind of had the upper hand on their scrum. Um, Connolly uh, was kind of given Sears Duru uh, some problems there. I think Sears Duru got, um, he got dinged for a couple penalties and stuff in the scrum. They were able to use that, I think. You know, it was one of those games that kind of went back and forth the whole time. Like Houston, uh, Seattle would score, Houston would score, Seattle would score, Houston would score. Um, ultimately, uh, Taylor Howden, unreal cutout pass, like legitimately like half the field out to like Matthias Freire um, for the try uh, for the try in the corner um, would prove to be the game winner. I think kind of looking at this game, so obviously Seattle had the advantage or sorry Houston had the advantage at the scrum but I also think to like Ben Sima got hurt and left the game in the 32nd minute and I think at that point too like Sam Windsor kind of took over a little bit of the kicking game on that side and in the second half they were able to kind of use that to control some territory um Canadian impact on it um I guess it's like Sears Dewar and Il Nicky like they were fine but you know, they came out, I think they came out on the the wrong end of the overall scrum picture. Um, but then I think you also have like George Barton, I thought played, played pretty well. He had some big carries. They used him kind of as like the crash ball center, um, which is what you use George Barton for. Um, he had a, he had a big carry in the, they had in the buildup to uh, the first, uh, the first try that was scored by Les Solai. 
Um, so th that was nice to see. I think ultimately too, like he started opening up some space for Ross Neal to operate and Ross Neal himself kind of ended up getting a try too. Um, so I thought he, he played a pretty solid game. Um, the Kai Penny came on late. Um, didn't necessarily have anything that really stood out to me personally. Um, I thought Houston, no Canadians on Houston. Um, they uh, they didn't line any of their Pacific Pride guys um, or for the, the first game of the season here. Um, Windsor obviously stands out every time Sam Windsor plays. I thought actually one of my favorite parts of this game, just because it's like I haven't like laughed like watching like genuine laughter in a while. And when Dan Power and uh, Brian Hightower were talking about how great Sam Windsor was as a kicker. And then he just shanks the next kick or whatever. I was like, this is so funny. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, man. I haven't watched this game yet. I'll have to go watch it just because of that. Oh, man, no, you have to. It's, it's amazing. And uh, that, like, honestly, with that being said, Dan Power, Brian Hunt, like, they're amazing commentators. Like, they killed this game. It's unreal. Um, like, they were great. Um, I just thought I just laughed out loud at that one. Also, scrum half um, for them, Jin, uh, Jin Ho Mung. Um, who was originally a Dallas Jackal and then now um, is playing there. He was terrific. I thought he was great. Um, he got a, you know, he had a, a great, there was the, the Zach uh, Pendulian try, which was like, I know, uh, you know, Stu kind of mentioned like guys flipping the field, like really quick. That was a play where it's like the Seattle ball carrier comes in, Windsor tackles him. Moon is immediately over like his previous team name, Jackals the ball up. And just pops it to Pendulian, who's uh, who's already circling around, and he just underneath. This I think is the moment of the game where I'm like, oh, cool! Houston actually painted lines um, to mark that this is try is going directly under the post. Um, so I thought he had a great game. Matias Freire was great. Uh, Magno was great. Um, it's just uh, Rhino Herbst too for Seattle. He was really solid. Um, and I think like just overall, I think ultimately, final thoughts on the game. Good for Houston. Um, it, that's that's a nice way to start your season, knocking off the uh, two-time defending champs. We'll see if they can keep it up. Um, for Seattle, um, based on what I saw last year, I Ben Sima's hurt for a while. Um, that could be problematic. But hopefully he's not. He, he's a guy who's had injury yeah. problems kind of consistently throughout his young well, thing, career. Right? So like, Seattle was winning at the end of the first half, right? And the, and the second half is the half they didn't have Ben Sima in. Like, right? Just kind of like last year, right? Like they didn't. I feel like Ben yeah. Sima is a very important player to that team. Hopefully Aaron Matthews is what they say he, he is. He was also good. He had some nice carries. Uh, solid yeah. First game. He was the player that 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 was tackled, and then Munn took the ball away from him. Oh, okay, yeah, it was. Yeah, he. Well, that's all right. That's, I didn't want to. I didn't want to name him and make him feel bad. That's why I said. This <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Smooth. Okay. Well, I have. Yeah, I have uh, L.A. and uh, New England. So let's get started. Uh, so I mentioned in the Rooney game that there was another game that, in terms of the broadcast, kind of was the exact opposite of uh the san diego and rooney game and in terms of my viewing pleasure it was like back to back so i went from the rooney san diego game to la and new england and i was like wow this is amazing now i realize that this why they kind of picked this place like between the decos they put and, cool. and the broad just the broadcasting angles that they had it was great and 
like all weekend i was singing california love to myself california love and I'm like, duh, duh, duh. i was just like going all through the house i was just doing that dth kind of on his second try threw up the little like california yeah threw up the little heart signal yeah that was yeah i want that to be a thing so why he did that but like I yeah for sure like the arrows up you know, fire yeah, the arrow. I, I, I want that I to want, be a thing. I want to. I want the Giltinis to dive into this California love celebration. Yeah. Um. So this game is kind of the the opposite of the 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 first game I talked about. When you look at the stats, it very much shows you how the game went. Um. The Giltinis had sixty three uh, percent of the territory. Um. They had less. Uh. They had making sure I'm right about this. Um, they interestingly had more handling errors, but that's what happens when you have 63% of the, the territory uh, in the possession. You're going to take more errors. Um, less penalties conceded. Um, more line breaks. More tackles broken. Um, more lineouts won. So all these things are kind of conducive to the team had the ball the most, of the, the team had the ball most of the game, and it showed. Um, you know, they had six tries. Uh, our boy DTH Phantom River, who was on the show, scored the first try in Giltini's history and, and then added an extra one, extra one just for fun. Uh, Corey Thomas also joined uh, into the action. Uh, poor Travis Larson. I feel, or uh, not Tra uh, Travis, Josh. I feel like uh, Josh was talking to the ref all the time in this game between, um, you know, the two yellow cards, the one red card. Like, I've, I thought that he was just like buddy buddied up with the ref. He was with them the whole time. Um, he, he did so. a good job captaining. He did. Oh, for sure. Like he he he, he fought did. for his team and and you know did a good job. Um, I thought that um the Free Jacks pack was was pretty strong and aggressive. They had that cool try with with the kind of the fake the fake play off of the lineout, which was really fun. Um, the big thing that you notice with the Giltinis, though, is they had they won 83.3% of the scrums where the Free Jacks won 75%. So that was something that people were putting a big asterisk on the Giltinis on. If they're going to succeed this year, their scrum has to come together. Um, so that was great to see. Um, I think when it comes to the Giltinis, their vets really kind of just knew what to do. I think in the end of the day, rugby is just it's just it's just a sport. If you've played in enough games, like over a hundred caps for the Wallabies, you're going to just kind of know where to be and what to do. You know, that's mm -hmm. people say that about Joel Thornton. He just knows where to be on the ice. Um, so I think a lot of that was happening. Um, but another thing I kind of noticed that I think might be a problem for the Giltinis is some of these dudes are old, you know, like wow. they were, some of them were, were hit and it took them a little bit longer. D, you know, even DTH was hit uh, uh, and he was stayed down for a little bit of time. He had to get a guy, a trainer come out. And that's one thing I was kind of thinking to myself that like with age, they're really going to have to manage their stars. And luckily they've got good depth in their backs. Like, you know, Mika Cruze didn't play uh, Luke Cardi didn't, you know, he came off the bench. Um, so they've got some guys that could come in like Nick Boyer didn't even play. So you know they they've got they've got the pieces, um, but I think that the battle nutrition will be really important for this team, especially since they um, got such old star older guys that are their stars. Um, with the Free Jacks, there just wasn't a whole lot of creativity. Bowden Walker had a strong game, Dougie Fife had a strong game, but 
I think there just needs to be a little bit more. Again, when you only have um, uh, 37% of the, the possession time, it's hard to show what you can do offensively. And they still scored 27 points out of it. A lot of it off of Waka's boot. So Giltinis, give yourselves a pat on the back. Great game. Free Jacks, you got a lot of work to do and it's a long season. So I think you can manage to do a little bit better. Okay. Um, and then the last game uh, was the uh, AGs versus the Warriors. So, Stu, give us a little uh, snippet into what happened in that game. Arrow's opponent next week, too. Mm-hmm. So, this... I, I've chosen both games that were the closest encounters this weekend. Um, one would draw, and this one was decided by only two points. Um, Utah took a strong lead, um, but Austin were able to get back into... The game, um, as you said earlier, uh, Derek, there was a penalty try. And while it wasn't listed on the broadcasters um, who was given the card, it was Jury Van Vuren who was yellow carded. But as in like Sa- Sama Maloo and Lance Williams. So for 30 minutes of this match, uh, Utah were playing with 14 men, not consecutively um, in the center of 30 minutes, but... You know, that, and I think this was an issue with when San Diego in 2019, that they had a lot of um, issues with um, conceding penalties and then conceding cards. And it definitely affected them when they played Toronto in Toronto, um, because they also had like three yellow cards that day. Um, So, yeah, and it almost came down to... Uh, the final penalty, the final kick of the match with uh, Mac Mason going for an absolutely mammoth, I think it was close to the 60 metres and 50 metres because it was inside his own half to um, get the penalty. Unfortunately for Austin, it just went a few feet uh, to the side um, when you, then Utah regathered, kicked it out, game over. So heartbreaking Austin, but on the plus side, they did score uh, four tries and they lost within seven, so they do get down the line. And the rest of the season could be like the big thing that uh, decide if they go to the playoffs or not. Um, standout players, I would say for Utah that they had uh, let me get the name right, uh, Fraser Hurst in the lineup, but they didn't use him, so that was disappointing. Oh. But uh, for Austin. Boo, boo, Utah, boo. The good, the good news is they're getting a lot of I'm Canadians slightly, next week. So I'm slightly disappointed fine. that the two teams that didn't use any Canadians both won. I am slightly disappointed. Yeah, it's it's. I'm. I know. I know, but the moral victory went to the Canadian using teams, and a try victory definitely went to um, Austin, where Mo Abdelmonam scored his first try, I believe, for Austin in the 55th minute. And this was the start of the comeback for Austin because after that, yeah, Jury Van Verden did um, score a try himself. But then he conceded a try uh, and then Paddy Ryan scored his own try um, on the 77th minute. And that's the difference that allowed um, Austin to get back. But, you know, congratulations for Mo. He's a guy that I think uh, has been like knocking on the door um, of the Canadian team and could be one of the names that is utilized, especially in the build up to the next World Cup. 
So, you know, any anything that can give him like a boost of confidence, it's fine in my book. He got the uh, Austin Player of the Game award. Yeah. So congratulations to him. You know, there, there were a fair few issues which have like plagued um, all the teams of, you know, just uh, it, it's um, standard for a team. For none of these teams have had really a proper preseason. And uh, even LA, even though they went to like they marry for a month, they, you know, haven't really been playing a lot of opposition. They did have a preseason game against Austin. Um but, uh, you know, it's it's not the same. But, uh, you know, positives can definitely be brought away for both teams. And I think any team that thinks that Austin is still the walkovers they were in 2019 or the start of 2020, uh, no, they're not. Uh, they're here to play. They're here to get points. They're here to score tries. And Utah, even though uh, they're the uh, Mr. Inconsistence, I think that they uh, starting to build their own momentum and Ideally, for them, they'll be able to continue it for the next few games. But, you know, that's still yet to be seen. All right, guys. So uh, we're going to finish off by going to our picks to, to uh, for week two. Um, last week, Stu had the best record uh, with uh, he was uh, two and four. Oh, God. Uh, he oh, picked God. Uh, the Guiltinis and wait, the Sabercats. Did we not get a try? We get we get a tie, right? We can't. You and I are tied. Because no, I picked like, we. Like, I picked no, the Nola DC game doesn't count as a win. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Tie, fine. Right? It's a tie. Fine. 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 So I just I just sorry. want to make sure if my records. Derek. Derek. It, Derek and I are tied. The same record. One. One. Three and one. And Stu is two. Two and one. Because he oh. got he got the Sabercats and Giltinis. Uh, you picked the Free Jacks, but you also got Rooney. And I picked the Giltinis. I was actually, I was feeling really good. No, you picked, no, Derek picked New England. That's why. Yeah, I picked New England. Yeah, I said the Free Jacks. Uh, I was feeling like really good about it Mm because Rooney San Diego ended up being the first game. And I was like, sweet, like, like, yeah, (laughs) this is going good. My upset picks. It was like, I told everybody Rooney would win. And Rooney like backed it up and they did it. And then, and then it went downhill from there very quickly. Not even downhill, it's just straight jump off a cliff. All right, guys. Uh, so we're gonna go with the first game is Nola and Rooney. Who do you got? Ooh, where are we playing? We're playing in Nola. In Nola. Honestly, I feel like Nola should have won their game against DC by like 15. Um, so I'm gonna take Nola. Stu, who do you got? I'm on the fence because I think Nola, if they learn from the mistakes of last week, they'll be able to walk this. At the same time, uh, New York are with the momentum in their uh, sales. So I'm going to be contrarian and I'm going to pick New York. Okay. I'm also picking Nola because I think that they've got a little bit more to give and it'll be scary when they do. Okay, this is gonna be a tough one. Uh, I guess they're all they're all they're all actually kind of they're all tough. Looking at it now, they're all kind of um, fun week. DC versus rugby ATL. Who's home? DC. Wow. Um, it is home, but it's also a new location. That's still home. So, is it really home? Yes. Derek, who are you picking? 
Just because Stu's contemplating on the fact that DC's not at home, I'm taking DC now. Okay. Stu, who are you picking? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go DC as well. Oh. I'm going with Rugby ATL. Okay. Uh, Houston is hosting New England. Who do you guys got? Who do you think is going to win that? Who, who do you think? Because we've answered the first two. Uh, I said the Free Jacks. I'm looking at my uh, Super Brew. I picked Free Jacks. Okay. I said it was going to be close. Uh, oh, man. This is tough. Um, I'm. You know what? Just just because I, I didn't believe in them last week. I'll take Houston. Houston, okay. For no reason, just because I did. They have cool jerseys, and they painted lines behind the post. Stu, I think uh, home advantage is gonna ben- has already benefited Houston. I think it's gonna continue, so I'm gonna pick Houston as well. I'm assuming we're all gonna pick Toronto. Yes. <laughs> but like, not even just like. I like a like a I'm a I'm a I don't not even in just like a I don't want to pick against like my team way like I gen, like you generally think they're like, like Toronto is going to bounce back nicely this week. Um, yeah, genuinely believe that. Um, yeah, because because I think I'm like same mind as you, but in slight different introspect in that I think Utah still have that monkey on their back of not being able to win consecutive matches and. You yeah, I guess how did how did that feel to spend like twenty minutes talking about how Houston or how Utah um, doesn't have like late game stamina only for them to come out the gate and like hold on to a really tight lead late in the game? Well, that was interesting, but I think it's the exception and not the rule. So yeah, right. that's why I'm going with the okay. Um, Austin versus San Diego. Oh my! Oh man, this okay. This is a really oh. tough one. Um. I, I this it's is probably the one I'm most interested in seeing. Yeah, I agree. This is, I think, the most fascinating game of the week. I, I said Austin by three points, so I think it's going to be really, really close. See, that's why I think I think, think Austin's going. It's like I think, I think you have the San Diego Legion, who is was last year was the dominant team, the team everyone thought was going to win a championship, and then you have Austin, who everyone's being like. Is saying significantly improved. I mean, some people are like they're a playoff team. Some people are thinking that they're going to be kind of out of it or kind of like, you know, not like out of it as in like last, but like they'll just miss the playoffs and fight for it, like kind of franchise turning around, right? Um, What did Dan say? I said Austin. Austin. San Diego. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's fine. All right, Stu, who are you picking? I believe that um, Austin are in the ascendancy. San Diego, I'm not certain if they're um, stagnating. I don't think they're going, they're getting worse. But I think that this is going to be another close encounter. Yeah, I'm going to say Austin. Okay, last game is LA versus Seattle. I picked LA by like two tries. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with LA as well. Yeah, I mean, until unless I find out Ben Sima's playing um, LA, then like, I don't. Um, 
yeah, I think I think you kind of have to. I think go yeah, especially I don't know. It's just LA, like you saw, like what their backline kind of did last week, and um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle won, but I think, but I think yeah, I think it's gonna especially again at home, LA. All right, you know, it goes all right, guys. Well, that's where we will end it tonight. Then, um, thank you very much, gentlemen. It was a great episode. Um, if you guys want to listen to more of our uh, episodes kind of look back during the lockdown and see all of our interviews with arrows and other Canadian players. Feel free to uh, look us up on social media. Um, we're on YouTube, um, La Rouge Rugby. We, we're, we're found everywhere um, on all the podcasting platforms. We've had a lot of really great interviews um, and we, uh, we're really looking forward to some more rugby. Next time on LaRouge Rugby Podcast. Warriors come out to play.